Spud Goodman Radio Show. And here is the studio orchestra of the Spud Goodman Show, sartorially regaled in sequined jumpsuit and cantilevered pompadour, the world's only accordion-playing Elvis impersonator, Accordion Joe. Here comes the Spud Man, he goes down easy. He calls to you, who the social outcast. Yes, you who are rejected. He wants you, he needs you, he loves you. Here comes the Spud Man, he goes down easy. Here comes the Spud Man. It's the Spud Goodman Show. Let's get ready. Rumbo! And here he is, the head cheese meister. It's Spud Goodman. Greetings, Andar Ola. For the record, I will stipulate that I am Spud Goodman. Spud <laughs> <The> man. <laughs> Welcome to our quaint little radio show. It will hopefully be the fastest hour in your life if you stick with us. But if you do feel the need to desert us now and you do more important things, I'll understand. You know, it will be somewhat disappointing, though, I got to say, because I was kind of hoping there would be billions of people listening to this particular, epi- particular episode, because I think it's going to be pretty darn good. But if not, oh well, whatever. I should now introduce our designated laugher, my Aunt Dorothy. Uh, show the people your world-class skills. How about a snicker? Ooh, that does require the requisite amount of restraint. How about this? <laughs> Ooh, what do you think? Um, on a curve, I would give it a, a B-. Well. Not your best, but pretty decent. Hmm. Okay, I, I'm also required to acknowledge our temporary permanent co-host, Gerald Holcomb. Uh, flash a gang sign or something so people know you're a real person. Don't throw out, like... A real sign from a dangerous gang. Maybe something from, like, those Kiwanis or Lions Club dudes. Well, Spud, you know, I'm not a member of either of those service organizations, but I am an active member of the Rotary Club. Uh, You know, we don't have an official handshake or sign to flash, but uh, do you want me to sing the official song? Because It's kind of catchy. It smells really good. Oh, that would be a no. Uh, So for the show, I was thinking of a topic that a lot of people could relate to. Ideally, not too many people, as it isn't a pleasant topic, but it's part of life, I guess. Are you referring to contracting a venereal disease? (laughs) Yeah, I've read that's really spreading like wildfire these days. Does anyone really believe that story? I'm also very much of a germaphobe, by the way. Yes, but... You should give serious thought to settling down and getting married again. Well, well, I grew up at the right time, I guess, when the worst we worried about in our romantic life was coming down with mono. I am a bit freaked with things that you, you can get that, that don't respond to penicillin, but right. no, no, I, I've been doing a lot of thought uh, to life now with no parents. You know, around. Uh, it just feels really weird. Uh, you know, I am fortunate to still have both of my parents in my life. Gosh, I... I, I don't know how I would deal with not getting my nightly phone call from my mother asking about what my wife Rachel served me for breakfast, lunch, and dinner during the day. Yeah. Uh, my mom is very big on meals that contain all of the basic food groups. Oh, I've sensed, Bud, that since your mother passed, you are struggling a bit. I haven't brought it up, but I... Um... No, I, I'm not exactly struggling, but I will admit, when my dad died, it, it was different than with my 
mom. I mean, uh-huh. she was a pretty important part of my life. I mean, I mean, not having a Rice Krispie treats Snap, quackle, Rice Krispies. thrust on me a couple times a month for decades. Well, it's been an adjustment. I'm, I may have complained about her pushing them on me, but it, it's one of those be mm. careful what you wish for deals is I totally miss them now. All I wanted was a Pepsi, just one Pepsi, and she wouldn't give it to me. You know, Spud, I could ask Rachel to bake you a batch from time to time if it would help. Uh, well, I've tried to fill this gap for Spud myself, but so far he won't touch my well, rice krispies. I'm sorry, Krispies. Dorothy, I, hmm. I don't want to come off as ungrateful, but they just don't taste the same as Mom's. Oh, no offense taken. I know my mother used to make strawberry jam, and it was amazing. And my first husband's mother used to bombard us with constant jars of her strawberry jam, and I wouldn't have fed that to our dogs. Way too much pectin, in my opinion. But everyone has different taste buds is how I look at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, would either of you be interested in sampling my wife's strawberry jam? It is to die for. I would. Um, I choose life over death by jam, okay? But Mm. getting back to my dad, I do miss a few things he used to do for me. I don't know. I mean, I know he was gone a lot, out cheating on my mom most of that time, but he gave me great advice on stuff only a dad can give. Like dating redheads was a high risk, high reward situation, or or how to keep a poker face when telling bold face lies. Uh, It's all fake news. I know now it, it takes a special talent to not let the eyes give away the truth. Of course, I would never use this skill in any inappropriate fashion like him. You know, when he had those like four fiancés on the side while still being married to my mom. Oh, Ugh. boy. Yeah. The man could sell a story to anyone. That's so hot. Yep, I will always miss our father-son talks. Oh, <laughs> your father was a real player, that's for sure. And thank God you didn't inherit his voracious sector. Yeah, well, um, about that sex drive, I would never have the energy to have walked a day or night in his shoes. He was a machine. You know, I don't think it's necessary to discuss our parents' sex drive here. It's just not something appropriate for the radio. Seek immediate medical help for an erection lasting more than four hours. Well, probably not, but but the guy was legendary from what I heard from all the widows at his funeral. The place was packed. Uh. I really should have gotten a bigger room for everyone that wanted to pay their respects. Well, I have to say I've never been to a funeral like your father's before. Yeah. It was standing room only, and there might have been maybe three or four males in the room counting you, Spud. Americans love a winner. What can you say? Women loved him. Anyway, right now I need to introduce our musical guest, who I will will be speaking with a little later on in the program. Say hello to MKB Ultra.
from uh, the Leave it to Beaver show, and you are listening to the Spud Goodman show, which is kind of a goofy thing to be doing, but hang in there. Hey, uh, Spud, your first guest, Jerry Mathers, is waiting to speak with you. This is the Beaver. Can you believe it? This is going to be cool. I know. I couldn't sleep last night. I I think I know the dialogue to almost all of the Leave it to Beaver episodes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Except maybe the ones where Wally got love crazy over Mary Ellen Rogers. They made me just a little uncomfortable. Not just when I watched them as a kid. They still do to this day when I watch the old reruns. What are you objectifying on? Well, Leave it to Beaver is one of the few shows that our whole family can still enjoy together. Uh, you know, it's still being aired. as you know, We have to tape the episodes on our VCR. It's on some local station around 2 o'clock in the morning, I think. Yeah, I, I can't say I could relate to the Beaver as, as he had a really, really normal life. But I sure was jealous of him growing up. Mm. His life was so stable. You know, I've always wanted to have Jerry on this show. You know, uh, you know, we've had Tony Dow and Ken Osmond on before. Yeah, that was before I started working on the show, I think. Listen, are you going to ask Jerry what his most memorable moment was playing the beaver? Well, what is the question? Well, what choice do I have? That question, as you know, is in my contract. Yeah. I'm legally obligated to do so. Yeah, I might get away from not asking that from some guests, but no way with Jerry Mathers. You know... I'm going to admit right now my palms are sweating. Yeah. Okay? Let just let me take a deep breath. Okay, let's do this. Put him on. Very well. I hope you are prepared for this. Here he is. Please say hello to actor and author Jerry Mathers. Welcome to our show. Oh, well, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be on. Yeah. So I need to say you'll be appearing at the Hollywood Show in Los Angeles on the 21st at the Weston Airport Hotel, and you can be found on the web at www.jerrymathers.com. 
you've got all the places I can be found, but I'm pretty sneaky, so you never know. I'll probably turn up other places, too. All right, that's good to know. So, you know, before we get going here, I must say I, I can now retire happy as I've, I've completed the trifecta. As of this moment, we have had Tony Dow, Ken Osmond, and now you, Jerry Mathers from Leave it to Beaver on the show. I don't want to get sappy here, but Jerry, for a segment of us spoiled and now cranky baby boomers, you are TV royalty. I know you're probably sick of hearing that. So sorry, but because I'm usually an incurable cynic, but I had, I had to say it. You know what? Doesn't bother me. It's that that's a compliment. I always I take compliments uh, very easily. All right, super. Well, in your memoir memoir titled uh, "And Jerry Mathers as the Beaver," you covered yeah. what it was like, you know, being the youngest actor on a network show that that centered around you. I mean, you you could have played the the show's named after me card, and you know, I'd rather go to the beach than act today. But you never did. You were not a diva. You were in all two hundred thirty four episodes, right? Absolutely, but see, I've been an actor since I was two years old, so um, it wasn't anything that was new to me or being a diva. I mean, I worked with Bob Hope, I did movies with uh, Alfred Hitchcock, I did actually a lot of live TV when I started out at uh, two years old, because there wasn't any videotapes, so all the shows I did were live. So, you know, doing a series was actually pretty easy because it was the same character, it wasn't different. We went to the same studio every day where, you know, before Leave it to Beaver, we go to one studio, go to another, and it was an all-new director and all-new cast, and you know you had to change characters. So, you know, I was I was pretty seasoned to doing that kind of thing. And when you got into a not a rut, but when you got into the same character, and you know, it was just easy. Um, you know, on the show now, we're discussing life after growing up, and the reality that eventually we do lose our parents, and how much that sucks. But your TV parents, you Beaumont and Barbara Billingsley, ha- have now passed. But I was going to ask, were you close to them off the set and in the later years? Well, you know, it's probably like for yourself or a lot of other people out there, like maybe your favorite teacher or someone that was an adult when you were growing up. You know, I spent a lot of my time with them, and they were always very good friends. You know, I knew if I was in any kind of a jam, you know, or needed any kind of help, they would always do it, and I would have done it for them. You know, that really never came up, but uh, they were just really nice people, and we were, you know, all professionals. As I say, I was working at four and five years old with Bob Hope, Alan Ladd, so working on a, t- on a movie set for me was just like other kids going to regular elementary school. Huh. Well, you know, they were awesome substitute parents for us beaver fanatics, but I was a bit intimidated by June as she always, you know, was wearing the pearls and looking so beautiful, and my mom would wear, wear curlers and a muumuu most of the time around the house, so there was a bit of a disconnect. But, uh, I mean, Barbara well, was but elegant. There's a, but, there's, but there's a good reason for that, I'll okay. tell you what it is. Okay. Barbara Billingsley was a very, very skinny New York model. And if you look at her real close, now this is one of her big secrets, her neck was very, very slim. And the two, I don't even know what they're called, but the two muscles in your neck would go down. And when they lit it, it made her look like she had a tracheotomy or had a scar there. So the pearls cut across that darker spot in in her throat. And that's why she always wore pearls. Oh, Wow, that's a pretty cool story. All right, super. Well, you know, in interviewing Tony Dow, who played Wally, and Ken Osmond, who played Eddie Haskell, they both said you guys, you know, do occasionally get together at appearances and other stuff. Do they ever gang up on you and give you the business still to this day? Honestly, no. We're just really good friends. You know, I've I've known them all my life, and, uh, you know, it's just somebody... It, and in some ways, I know I have um, brothers and I have a sister, too, but so they're not really like family, but they're like a very good friend. Like if you had a friend since first grade, um, especially an older person, maybe that was in the second to the third grade, you know, they were just uh, somebody that I was with every day for basically seven years of my life. 
and we just always had a good time. We went back and did the new Leave it to Beaver in the 80s, and uh, you know, then as adults, we could relate a little bit better to each other, but uh, you know, they've always been a very good friend to me, and uh, I know that if I'm in trouble, I had something that they could help me with, I'd go to them, and uh, vice versa. All right, okay. Uh, Spud? Yes? Well, I have to say, you have continued to give me the business since the day I took this job as co-host. I, I know it's your way to bond and show your affection for me, but sometimes it can be really a, a bit much to handle. Oh, uh, hey, Jerry, just a sec. I give you the business because you deserve it. And well, no, giving someone the business is not a display of affection. I understand you can't say on the air anything positive about our relationship. That would be counter to your radio personality of being an irritable, often surly talk show host. Oh, oh Spud is just as surly and irritable off the air. In fact, he's been like that since birth. Well... You can continue to believe what you want, I guess, but for real, we both find you annoying. I'm just saying. Oh. Uh, Mrs. Jarvitz, I know you don't want to break the wall here and let on that Spud is actually a salt-of-the-earth kind of guy, so I'll, I'll play along. Okay. Yeah, my, my doctor said I'm supposed to cut back on a, on a salt, okay? Jeez, but whatever. Let me get back to Jerry, okay? I am talking to the beeve, man. All right, I'm back. Okay. Well, in 1962, during the show's run, you released a single with a B-side, and after the original series ended well in high school, you started a band, Beaver and the Trappers. So how big was music in your life at that time? Well, I always liked it. It was, you know, it gave me something to do. I used to go out and play state fairs and all sorts of personal appearances, and instead of just getting up there and going out and signing autographs, you know, I'd pick up a pickup band in whatever city I was in, and we'd do 15 or 20 minutes of whatever the most popular song was at that time, and then I would go out and sign autographs. And i talk a little, of course, about Leave it to Beaver, but it just kind of, you know, brightened the whole thing up. So that was my summer job and how I bought my first car. All right, super. Well, let's talk about the reach of Leave it to Beaver. I read that in other countries you're still approached, you know, for autographs and people coming up to you. How many countries was the show aired in? Was it on like a Peru or the United Arab Emirates? And I mean, where was it on? All over the world, because it plays in, I think it's about 56 languages, but some of them like Spanish or, you know, it plays in, it doesn't play in Russian, but it plays in Germany, um, it plays in France, and a lot of those, because of their, uh, you know, their uh, colonialism, there are places all over the world that speak that. One of the funniest places is Japan, because in Japan, instead of because they thought I was little, they used a little girl to dub my voice, so... The first two or three years, it's okay, but in the last year, I'm about 14 years old. Not only am I speaking Japanese, but I definitely have a very high girl's voice. Huh. All right. Well, well, let me close with this. Jerry Mathers, what was your most memorable moment as Beaver Cleaver? You know, I can't answer that one. That's a good one to close with because it's, it's something that I would ask you, what was your very best memory between the time you were maybe six and 14 or 13. You know, there was just so many good memories. I think what I like about it is it's such a good show. It's timeless. It's something I can be proud of. My kids are proud of it. My parents are proud of it. So it's something that, you know, will go down in history. One of the interesting things is because of the way we broadcast television, 
Um, if there's anybody out on Mars or any place in the universe, Which there those are. waves will be going out there. And that, leave it to Beaver, because it was an early 50s TV show before TV had really just started, would be one of the first shows that they would get. Who knows that they'd ever be able to uh, translate it or even see it, because it's, you know, just a wave. But it's going all over the universe and has since October of 1957. Wow, that's pretty heavy. I guess let me. Well, we will close on that. Let me let me remind everyone that you will be appearing at the Hollywood Show at the Westin Airport Hotel in Los Angeles on the twenty first. Hey, man, I, I would really like to thank you for coming on our show. Okay. My pleasure. Anytime, Mr. Jerry Mathers. There's still more fun and excitement in store in the second half of the Spud Goodman Radio Show right after this brief intermission. We're the Black Tones. We are the Black Tones. I'm Eva. And I'm Cedric. Cedric, who's playing bass? His name is Robbie. Robbie. Robbie's playing bass. This is a Spud Goodman show. Spud Goodman, I'm deleting you off my Facebook. I'm sorry. Oh, oh. We share the same Facebook. I guess that means I'm deleting Spud, too. It is what it is, man. Mm. The Spud Goodman Show. Spud. Spud. Goodman. Goodman. We now return to more action-packed thrills and excitement on the Spud Goodman Radio Show. All right, right now I want to play a short clip from a past interview I did with the highly talented comedian Ralphie May, who recently passed away. Uh, he was a guest on our show a few times, and he was a really wonderful guy. He will be missed by many, many fans. Here he is from April 11, 2015, Mr. Ralphie May. For a, a, a period of time, I mean, he was the man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, all right, well, let me let me ask you a question on the next part of your career. You, you finished second on the first season of The Last Comic Standing in 2003. Uh-huh. And here, here's kind of my, my question or point or whatever. It seems like the ones who came up a little short have later had much more successful careers than The Last Comic Standing. And I want to toss out you, right. you, Amy Schumer, say Ty Barnett, Doug Benson, Lavelle Crawford, Rebecca Corey, and some others. I don't think I could pick yeah. out any of the winners from a police lineup. So it worked out pretty good for you, right? Yeah, it really did. You know, I can't say enough good things about it. It was it was awesome for me. You know, coming in second, people thought I was robbed. And what it did, it galvanized them just like it did after um, uh, Metallica lost the heavy metal Grammy to Jethro Tull. Yeah. How yeah. their albums went platinum. My first album went platinum uh, in like six weeks. Uh, you know, I sold over a million units. And... Um, it was uh, something very rare, you know, in comedy. Yeah, I'd say time, so. I was, really, I was really lucky to have it. Absolutely. Um, well, well, Ralphie, you're, you're a big dude. Everybody's aware of that. Like NFL line yeah. inside. This is the Spud Goodman Show. What else is there, man? You know, another thing I miss about not having my parents around anymore is hearing them ask me what I wanted of theirs, you know, when they finally did pass on. It always used to kind of bother me then to hear my dad and mom ask me that. As I always said, I wasn't interested in their stuff. I thought by saying that that they would think that I wasn't hoping that they, you know, would check out early or something. And just like I, I could get their stuff. But looking back, I wonder if they thought I felt their stuff was a bunch of junk. Oh, hmm. sad. I mean, I wouldn't have minded my... My dad's, you know, his hi-fi. It was kind of cool. I, I sure wish I could get a do-over and hear them ask me that question again. Too late, y'all. 
Oh, that's a topic where I'm very glad I don't have children. It can get quite messy, you know. I've heard many horror stories from friends that have kids. Yeah, you know, I'll admit, my brothers and sisters have had many contentious discussions going over our parents' property, you know, when they do leave this earth. It seems to bring out the worst in some people. I won't mention their names here on the radio. Stop being weak! I had a hard time telling my mother I couldn't use her china set. It was nice, but I don't host holiday gatherings or really have anyone over for meals that call for china. No. Styrofoam plates have served me well over the years, but I did tell her I'd take it, and now I have to figure out some reason to actually break it out of the cardboard boxes I stuffed all of it into. Well, I won't burden you, Spud, when my time comes. I have it all covered in my will with everything in my apartment going to the dump right after the funeral. And Mm, it's all, yeah, yeah, and I've got it all paid for, too, down to the gas money for Mm. the guy with the truck I hired. Good call, yo. Well, thank you, Aunt Dorothy, I guess. Uh, But would you mind if I went through some of your albums? You have some really cool records. Well, thanks. Uh, Just know you will have 48 hours after I'm gone, so don't put it off. Why, especially with, like dibs on your Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass albums. You, you had a bunch of them. And, oh, I, and I want the Red Fox comedy albums okay, for sure. Okay, okay. They're yours. Uh, you know what? I've given some thought to bringing in a mediator. You know, if uh, Our family has nine kids. and Well, really? we all yeah. have different needs and desires. There are all kinds of perversions. Like uh, my third oldest sister, Mary Elizabeth, really, really wants my mom's couch. I have no idea because it, you know, it's got stains on it from over the years. But she says she has fond memories of that couch growing up. The problem is, my second oldest sister, Opal, feels the same way. Uh oh. Hopefully, we can keep it all out of court. Doesn't your so. church have some religious directive on how big families are supposed to divvy up the parents' stuff when the time comes? Uh, you, you'd think this would be a common problem. Joseph Joseph Smith uh, didn't cover that one, huh? Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Yeah, not to my knowledge. I'm trying to stay out of this, but I do have my sights set on my dad's set of golf clubs. They are in mint condition. My youngest brother apparently has the same request, so I don't know. We'll see how it plays out, I guess. You should just make up a list of who are the, you know, the favorites of your parents, like a, a one through nine list, uh, you know, maybe through a secret vote. Oh, you yeah. must have a good idea of who your parents loved best. All parents avoid that topic, but we, we know, right? And it only makes common sense. My sister Sophia, who was still living in Belize with that old hippie, you know, she went off with, yeah. always knew she was the number two kid in our family as far as the pecking order. I think it was because, you know, she got really boy crazy, like at 12 or 13, and then she kind of ghosted all of us from that point on. I, I, don't, I didn't see much of her until after her second divorce in her I, late 20s. Yeah, yeah, she always had a mind of her own, Spud. Huh. Too bad she had such horrible taste in men. Yeah, I hear that. Uh, hey, Mr. Temporary Co-host, why don't you uh, check and see if our next guest is, is good to go, well, please? Yeah, yeah, but it's Temporary Permanent Co-host. And, uh, yeah, I am being told by the board that your next guest, Valerie Bertinelli, is holding for you. Wow. You know, Spud, first it was Jerry Mathers from The Beaver, and now it's Valerie Bertinelli from One Day at a Time. This is my kind of show. Good. Hey, I like that show, too. But I choose to not internalize what you just said, as you are not the demographic this show needs to attract. No offense. 
well, none taken, but I, I think it's very smart to not just book guests that you think are cool or hip. You saw the electoral map on ele- election night last year, right? Because uh, yeah. most of America is red, Spud, and we take our sitcoms very seriously. So do I. Well, hey, don't try and sound more American than me, okay? I'm Teddy Powers! Yeah, but you liberals and your love of avant-garde shows like that Full Frontal or whatever it is with Samantha C. and that Bob Mare show on the Cinemax. Yes, but those are not shows that appeal to most real Americans. What are you talking about? Hey, I watch shows that people in red states enjoy too. For instance, like? I record one NASCAR race a year on my DVR. I watch, you know, and I start it up and then I fast forward until I, I see like the you know first couple wrecks and then I go to the last lap and I get through the I can get through the whole Daytona 500 in less than 15 minutes. Yeah, but that's not how a person watches a race. You are not a true NASCAR fan, Spud. Get him out of here right away. Of course I'm not, but I do make an effort to at least, you know, see what life is like for those in this country who do, you know, don't live anywhere near salt water. Well, Just put Valerie on, please. I have some stuff I want to ask her. Yeah, all right. Here she is. Say hello to actress, author, and cooking host Valerie Bertinelli. Thanks for calling into our show. Oh, very happy to have... Ha- thank you for having me. Yeah. So you have a new book out titled Valerie's Home Cooking. Now, one recipe in the promo material jumped out at me. Is I don't know how hard it is to make, but s'mores popcorn sounds like a great late-night snack when the munchies hit. Can someone like myself, who basically can only put in like a Stouffer's frozen dinner in the microwave, pull this off? Oh, you absolutely could. You don't even have to make your own popcorn, although I prefer to make my own popcorn in my pasta pot but um, with a little coconut oil and some butter and some salt. But you can get those big bags of popcorn, and you can make it with that. It's super easy to do. Oh. Well, you know, if it's really late and the moment is right, it probably wouldn't matter if I screwed it up. I'd still have something with chocolate and popcorn. So, it, you know, I'll be good, I guess. But anyway. Uh, yeah, I think you would be. <laughs> All right. Well, you host your own show on the Food Network, Valerie's Home Cooking. So you're pretty much a pro with home cooking. Could you answer why a really cheap mac and cheese, you know, like in a box, tastes better than fancy? Fancy mac and cheese at an upscale restaurant. I think it's the fake cheese powder full of chemicals that makes the meal because that stuff's so awesome. I can eat a couple boxes at a time. How is that? <laughs> I don't know. What's wrong with your taste buds? I don't. I mean, I am not. Can't be the only person that that I don't know that, that just loves mac and cheese in a box over like restaurant mac and cheese. But, but I bet you have a killer recipe for mac and cheese, right? I have a couple killer recipes for mac and cheese in there. Yeah, I, I, I see. I like my mac and cheese a little bit more spicy. So I like to put jalapeno in there, and so I have. I think I have a crab one in there also. But oh. try my try my mac and cheese recipe, and then you tell me how that turned out. All right, it's I'll... really easy too. I promise you. Do you know how to boil water? I I can do that. Okay, and then you throw some pasta in there, and you get that all nice and um, al dente, and then you put those cheeses together. If you like spice, put the jalapeno. If you don't, keep it out. I'm gonna, I'm telling you, you're gonna love it. All right. Okay, I just wrote that down. Uh, excuse me, Spud, yeah. but your fondness for that mac and cheese powder goes back to when you were a baby. Uh, Valerie, I need a moment here. I will be right back. What do you mean, Aunt Dorothy? Well, I remember your mother on a few occasions was about to call 911, or in those days an ambulance, after she found out you had consumed a full package of that fake cheese powder from boxes of mac and cheese. Hmm. I guess you would open the lower cupboard at the floor level and take them all out all the time. I don't really remember that. Did I ever OD? Now, you know what? 
this might explain a lot about your early childhood development, or lack of it, Spud. I don't think she ever did call for an ambulance, really, but she did frantically contact me for tips on how to make you expel it. You mean puke it up? Jeez, it wouldn't have killed me. I just told her to hold you upside down and start shaking until it emptied out of your stomach. It seemed to work just fine. I mean, you survived, right? I, I guess, but man, now Kraft, you know, Kraft mac and cheese in a box just doesn't sound that great. Uh, I might have to toss out what I have in my apartment now. You know, my wife has a great mac and cheese recipe herself, Spud, if uh, you're interested. Uh, no, thank you. Uh, now, let me get back to Valerie as I think we're kind of connecting here, all right? Okay, I'm back. Sorry about that. I'm good to go if we are. So you wrote another book titled Satisfying My Hunger for Life Without Opening the Fridge. Now, I need to go find a copy as I find it very hard to refrain from opening the fridge every hour or so at night. I pretty much know what's in there, but I have to keep looking like it's like a treasure hunt or something. How did you learn to stop peeking inside the fridge all the time? <laughs> well, that was 10 years ago, and now I do peek inside the fridge. I'm a little bit, I'm, 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 I'm living dangerously. How about that? Okay. All right. I just, I don't know. I mean, I, I have just really lame stuff in mind after the first day or so I have to go to the store. I mean, everything's always usually gone, the good stuff. And I know what's in there, but I still can't stop opening it up. But anyway, that's another story. <laughs> All right. Well, can, can we take a step into the Wayback Machine and touch on your days on Norman Lear's One Day at a Time? You started on the show at age 15 and finished nine seasons during, during the teenage years. I was wondering, did you feel you missed out on stuff like the homecoming dance or lunch in the cafeteria? No, you know what? I would do um, the show, and then for a semester, I would go back to school, and I'd be with all my friends, I'd do my homework, and um, and then I'd go back to the show for when it started up taping again. So I was kind of able to stay in both worlds, and I think by having the parents that I had, where um, it was just as important, you know, my extracurricular activities were just as important as my brother's, that uh, it, it was just, um, you know, a normal life. Yeah. For as much for as being in such an abnormal business, I really led and still do lead a very normal life. Hmm. Well, how about working with Norman Lear? Because that must have been quite a, a learning experience. As he was the voice of social change in Hollywood, there weren't too many topics he would be afraid to delve into, right? No, oh yeah, he was uh, and still is fearless. The man is brilliant. He's so smart, and he's just he's so kind too. He's just a really really nice man. And I, I love him. I mean, it, I can't believe I was that lucky to get my first big break uh, doing a show that he was such a huge part of. Yeah, I would think you would have got high school credit or something working under in his production. Because, you would think. Yeah. <laughs> I still got a C in drama. Did you? All right, all right. Yeah, I did. I did not do well in my drama class in school. Do you have a most memorable moment working with Norman at all? Um, God, so many. I remember I was struggling with a, a, a scene to find the emotion in it because I really was a very green actress. I, I was brand new, and I lucked out in getting the role because I, I reminded Norman of his daughter, Maggie. So um, to be able to be in that show with, I mean, fine actress. Uh, Mackenzie Phillips was so good back then, and she still is. And Bonnie, of course, was on Broadway. And, you know, Pat, was, Pat Harrington had, you know, all the skills of a comedian that I could learn from. And I think he pulled me aside at one point and said, listen, I don't think it would hurt for you to try some acting classes and, and really, you know, start working on that muscle. And at first I took it like, oh, my God, I'm going to get fired. This is horrible. But then I realized, oh, he wants me to get better. 
this isn't a punishment. This is this is help. Right. So he was he was always so kind to me and still is. I just saw him oh within the last year and such a kind man. He sends me emails. Uh, he's just terrific. I love him. All right, last question. Um, now you experienced a number of years in the rock world in your marriage to Eddie Van Halen and your son Wolfgang is a very talented musician, you know, in the band right now. So you're somewhat of an expert. Any preference uh, on uh, your favorite lead vocalist, David Lee Roth or Sammy? <laughs> I actually don't have a preference. Uh, my favorite singer is my son. He is amazing, and uh, he's got a new album coming out. Oh, what's it uh, called? I cannot wait for people to hear it. It's it's brilliant. He 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 wrote all the songs, wrote the melodies, wrote the lyrics. He plays all the instruments: drums, guitar, piano. It's bass. It's I'm. He's so ridiculously talented. I I don't know how that happened, except he got all of his father's gifts. Oh, oh, super. What Do you know what the title of the record is? I don't know yet. No, he hasn't titled it yet. He's okay. still finishing it up. There's a, I think he's doing finishing up the background vocals or something, but there's a few more things to finish up before it's going to be ready. I'm hoping, hopefully it'll be out in the spring. All right, super. Okay, well, let me say again that you have a new book out titled Valerie's Home Cooking, available everywhere. Thanks very much for coming on our program. Thank you so much for having me, Spud. Miss Valerie Bertinelli. This is one of radio's most famous musical productions, the program that brings you the music of a nation that loves to sing and whose songs reflect the beauty and romance inherent in its way of life. This is the Spud Goodman Show. It's musical guest interview time, so please welcome MKB Ultra. Uh, would everyone please announce your birth or street name and your instrument? Uh... <laughs> Birth street name, Lady Lane. Uh, in musical instrument, guitar. And what else? You can you, you can give me your real name besides your street name. Oh, <laughs> Mia. It'll just stay between us. All right. The rest of you. Five track electric guitar. Lisa Mansfield, singer and shakers. Super. All right. Well, uh, Mia, I want to say I enjoy your music very much. I read that your stuff would be like uh, a good soundtrack to be listening to when the end times come. Not a bad way to go out because I have your last CD ready to go in my Walkman right now just in case. Awesome. Yeah, that's right. Because it could be right around the corner. Yeah, I was going to say that. <laughs> Speaking of that, um, is everyone in the band, i got to ask you guys, prepared for you know uh, what I could pick up and may oh, yeah. not be that far away with our current president. So do you guys, are you bunker. stocked? Yeah, you stocked with water and canned, you know, food and all that uh, stuff? I got my bug out kit, uh, bunker. Yeah, I'm ready. You ready, Five? We told our cat she could eat us. Oh, that's very <laughs> oh, generous. Wow. That's very, yeah. I'm, an, I'm a cat person, too. All right, super. Um, so uh, l- let me ask you this. Uh, are, what are the other, you know, members of the band... How do you feel about something that's kind of important to me, Halloween? A satanic holiday or one of the coolest days on the calendar? Who's going as what this year? Come on. Halloween is a time when I would like to be out of the country. No. <laughs> that hurts me. How about how about the rest of you? Oh, uh, wow. I, I was thinking of going as five track. Oh, okay. Kind no. of an inside joke thing, but okay. My <laughs> wife and I will probably just go hide. Last year we gave out cheese. That was not a hit. 
Yeah, really. I'm concerned about that's so much weak. sugar for the kids. Velveeta? No sugar in oh, cheese. <laughs> that's, that's, that's disgusting. That, you know, that, it I, would go over in, uh, like, Wisconsin. Yeah. I, myself, am going as Scott Pruitt, the EPA uh, head. I'm going to give oh, out God. people, like, little bean bags that look like pieces of coal to toss at me. Just, I thought <laughs> it'd be kind of keen. But anyway, all right. Good idea. So uh, what's the band's official position on the metric system? Should we revisit this as a country? Because I'm open to it as I would hopefully outlaw algebra. Yeah, I'm for that. And I am all for the metric system that I don't know at all. Okay. I don't, you, I don't believe in the metric system. Okay. Inches are there for a reason. Okay. I don't think we have a good system of measurement. All right. Okay, on to more important things. What's the name of the next song? The next song is called Birdhouse. All right, let's do it. I would take you to my kingdom, but I do not have a king. You might know me from your past life. I'm the one.
the Spud Goodman Radio Show. Hey, this is Ken Osman, Eddie Haskell, and I can't believe I've actually made the Spud Goodman Show. I've made it. I'm a top star now. Hey, uh, Spud. Yeah. Your last guest, actor Wyatt Olaf, is ready to speak with you. Now, he's in that scary Stephen King movie, It, correct? Uh, yeah, he co-stars in it, I guess, uh, whatever. In, in It. Uh, yeah, with a few other young actors. Uh, this one uh, tr- uh, truly is creepy and, and might be you know, too much for me, but, but since Wyatt's doing our show, I pretty much have to go see it. You're aware that clowns freak me out. Well, why didn't you say so? Well, you know what? Many in my church feel anything connected to Mr. King is clearly demonic. Yes, but he's an employee of Satan. Well, then he's one rich employee, okay? Well, yeah. Have you ever read a Stephen King book or, or seen a movie based on one of his books? Uh, no, no. I, I, I thought not. I, yeah, yes. I wouldn't, I'm not intending to put my soul at risk. Come on, you can do it. We Holcombs much prefer, you know, the earnest movies or, uh, oh, like Tom Cruise, Mission Impossible thrillers, things like that. Yeah, yeah, they're so thrilling. Uh, just put Wyatt on before, you know, like he blows us off and starts playing video games on his phone. Uh, here he is. Say hello to actor Wyatt Olaf. Uh, thanks much for calling into our show. Uh, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so you co-star in a little movie now out called It. Uh, I'm pretty sure most people have heard about it or are currently now having nightmares about it from just the previews. I would hope so, yes. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I'm not going to lie. Clowns scare the crap out of me and really most anyone not named you know, John Wayne Gacy. So like Pennywise in this one guarantees it's a multiple pair of underwear movie. It's it's really scary, right? Yeah, absolutely. There's uh, a lot of people saying that it's really scary, so... Hopefully they, they think of it as a scary movie. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's that's a done deal. So so when you first read the script, was it in the daytime? I mean, I know I would at least have a nightlight on if I sat down with it after it got dark out. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, the first time reading the script all the way through it is definitely during the middle of the day, and I had my mom with me, so... Heck, yeah. You know, that was helpful. Absolutely. Uh, get too scared and stop reading. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't, I don't want to have to do one of those spoiler alerts, but can I ask if you or, or your character, Stanley Uris, lives more than five minutes into the movie as I'm always late to my seat getting, like, refills of popcorn because I can kill a whole bucket just during the previews? <laughs> Wait, sorry, does my character what? Does he, does he, he lasts more than, like, five minutes into it because, you know, oh, I might yeah. miss it. Yeah. If it's, okay, okay, good. good. No, no, yeah, you won't, you won't even see him until, like, five minutes in, so... Oh, awesome. Take take your time. It's okay. All right. Miss that iconic scene at the beginning of the movie. That's fine. Okay, I just just wrote that down. It's super. I'll make sure I remember that. uh, Spud, you know, as I've gone with you to the movies, you know, a few times over the last couple of years, I've wanted to say this. Uh, Hey, Wyatt, I'll be back in a moment. What, about going to the movies with me? Do, Do I still owe you money or something? Oh, well, actually, now that you mention it, yes, I, you do. I think I loaned you like $10 to buy a Diet Coke last time we went. Oh, yeah, and that was for a small. Yeah, but uh, what I was going to mention was the sheer volume of popcorn you go through during a movie. It is both unhealthy and I'm sure quite bothersome to the kids that work at the snack bar. I think I counted you went back for refills seven times during a two-hour movie. 
Why do you think I only go to theaters that offer unlimited refills on popcorn? Yeah, but, but it borders on gluttony, which, as you know, is a sin. I really feel you should consider cutting back on your eating habits at the movie theater. You know, moderation is the key to a long life. Oh, Gerald, moderation is not a big part of Spud's life. You should see him devour candy corn at Halloween. Hmm. Yeah, I do enjoy candy corn. It's a part of the corn family, right? As popcorn provides most of the fiber in my diet. And if those kids in the concession stand can't handle, you know, my healthy appetite for it, then they should get another job. Spud, that is a very large amount of fiber in your digestive tract. Have you discussed this with your doctor? No, that issue is between me and my God, okay? Now let me get back to Wyatt. All right, I have returned. Okay, well, hey, you were previously in Guardians of the Galaxy 2, or Volume 2, excuse me, playing a young Chris Pratt as Peter Quill. Was that that maybe the coolest thing you've done in your life so far? Um, I'd say it would have to overpower that, actually. I'd say um, being able to spend a summer in Toronto filming a horror movie with a bunch of kids is awesome. So, uh, I mean... I'd say playing a young Chris Pratt is definitely awesome, but just being able to be my own character and with a ton of other kids, I think that def- that definitely, I'd say overall, that's definitely a better experience. Okay, all right. But being in Guardians was cool, though. you got to say that. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Sure. All right. Well, you know, as a 14-year-old male, uh, what, what do you do in your spare time away from the set? Regular stuff other kids your age do? Like, do you have a paper route or something? <laughs> um... Well, I mean, sometimes I just kind of, I mean, I sometimes make my own movies with friends. I mean, I definitely, definitely one of my favorite things to do is obviously hanging out with my friends, whether it be walking outside, playing video games, and just all that normal kid stuff. But yeah, I mean, most of the time I'm just kind of trying to be myself and enjoy childhood while it lasts, so... Do you have time to like be on like a soccer team or a uh, even a robotics team or so? I mean, do you do you have any time to do anything else other than just uh, the industry? Um. Well, I'm not really the biggest competitive anything fan. Like, I'm not really a team sports kind of guy. But uh, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't really say that. I I feel like I don't also have a lot of time to do those things and. I don't want to, like, let my team down or anything like that, so I choose not to do it, but, uh, I mean, yeah, sometimes I'll do, like, sports, not really team sports, but just playing with friends in general, that's fine, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm not that big a team fan. Do, do you, with school, do you, do you uh, how does that work? What, what, what kind of situation are you, are, are you doing? I am going to a private school right now, which is good, because I don't feel like I'm at the you know, stage where I should be homeschooled, at least yet. But, uh, you know, I, I'm glad I'm able to have the high school experience because I think that's something that's kind of necessary to everyone's life. And um, that's something I want to kind of have a regular experience with. I don't want it to just be overshrouded by all this acting stuff. So, yeah, hopefully it stays the same. So you're, uh, you're pretty much a normal kid then. All right. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right, well, I, I know you got other other stuff to do, so I'm going to state again that you are co-starring in the mega-monster Stephen King movie, It, currently playing everywhere in the universe. So I, I just want to thank you so much for coming on our show. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. All right, Mr. Wyatt Olaf.
My, how time flies. You know, one more really important thing about not having any parents around anymore is on your birthday. This year was really a downer. I mean, for your whole life, you can count on your parents to make you feel kind of special at least one day during the year. Oh, yeah. You know, I got kind of used to being served cake and ice cream over the years. I think the reason why is I've just been, like, so unhappy. Oh, I know for a fact neither of your parents, but particularly cared for cake, but they knew how important it was to you. They always went that extra yard to make sure the frosting was up to your standards. Yeah, weak frosting can really kill the mood on your birthday. Don't be so overly dramatic about it. Thank God my parents understood this. You know, my parents serve angel food cake with strawberries on it for all birthdays in our family. You know, it's really a much more sensible, nutritious alternative to cake with frosting. Um, um, you suck! I would poke my eyes out with number two pencils if anyone served me angel food cake with strawberries? (laughs) That that should be a capital (laughs) offense. I'm going to say this to you right now. Your family's messed up, man. (laughs) Well... That's somewhat insulting, Spud. Well, you have to understand, with all of the birthday celebrations in our family, and that includes our own children, too, well, I mean, we'd be consuming frosting in such an amount, it could be hazardous to our health. Hey, 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 you shut your face! If you guys can't handle a few minor cases of type 2 diabetes, well, that's quite sad. You're all missing out on a big part of life. Oh, Spud, dear, I would say that you are a freak of nature in that you can consume such high amounts of such unhealthy food and not suffer the ramifications others would. Thank I you. know I, I sure couldn't survive eating what you do. Sure you could. You, oh, you no. probably haven't tried hard enough. Anyway, like Christmas is also another day where, when not having parents alive is such a buzzkill. I mean, I always knew I would get at least something cool, you know. They would always give me at least one present that didn't suck, like the required, you know, underwear and socks thing. <laughs> Later on, when I hit my 30s, though, I got mostly cash, which was cool, too, because I sort of worked it into my budget. I would buy all of my Christmas presents for everyone on a credit card and just put all the cash I got from my parents on the card to pay it off. I almost broke even every year. Well, hmm. as your parents were on a fixed income in their later years, Spud... I would say they were still quite generous in their gifts to you. You know, my parents would make something for each of us after we were, you know, like eight or nine. Things that we could use later in life, like uh, a clothesline or a sawhorse. Excellent. Damn, that's cold-blooded. I mean, why even celebrate Christmas? Did they even put something in your stocking? Sure. Uh, Mostly uh, like canned goods and dried fruit. Oh, Merry Christmas, huh? Yeah, really. Oh, you know, the other good. night, you know, something else came to, to mind when I saw a promo for that FX show, American Horror Story. When when both of my parents were still alive and, and were calling me at night to ask me how my day or week went, it was kind of comforting, you know. And I, I used to love all sorts of scary stuff back then on TV and at the movies. And nothing was too spooky. And now, I, I'm going to admit this, I can't handle a lot of the stuff anymore. That stuff. Like American Horror Story. It's, it's just too much for me now. Pissing our pants yet? You know, I, th- I think I'm going to be able to get through watching it, you know, but these days I just try and stick with rom-coms mostly. Uh, you know, I, but I had no idea being parentless was having such an effect on you. Would it make you feel more secure if I called you a few nights during the week, uh, you, you know, just to check in on you? Oh, you, bro, ain't bro, you ain't got the answers. You ain't got the answers. 
It, it's just not the same thing as a parent calling, all right? Yeah, well, that's yeah. true. If you called, I still couldn't probably watch American Horror Story. Maybe I could handle Ash versus Evil Dead on Stars. Call me some night and let me see if I can handle, you know, all the way through it. Oh, well, doesn't that nightlight I gave you help at all? Uh, I'm way too old for a nightlight, Aunt Dorothy. You're I appreciate not. it, but it does help when I have to get up all night, you know, to freaking pee so much. I gotta admit the truth. It turned me on. I can't say that I can relate to that issue, Spud. I sleep right through the night. Oh, brother. I don't believe that. You know, people lie a lot, so you got to be on your toes. But hey, I just need to close the show now. That's what they're telling me. I am Spud Goodman. Be all that you can be, and I mean that. God bless and ciao. Bye-bye. Once again, here is MKB Ultra. by David Brenneman of Rosedale Audio Productions and recorded at NWCZ Radio. Engineer Mike Renville, executive producer Lori Madsen. Written and directed by Spud Goodman. Associate producer and video director T.J. Pites. Production assistants Brian Martin and Chance Morrison. Original music by Mike Spots and Tom Harmon. On-air talent Rob McGee, David Deer, Pam McGee, and Tom Nolan. Copyright 2017 Spud Goodman Productions. David Brenneman speaking. I just want to be free.